This week's podcast brought to you by Bouncy Castles. One of the seven-year-olds on my basketball team said to me after our first game, she said, Mrs. Russian, before the game, a bunch of the parents on the other team were Googling you. And I heard one of the girls on the other team say, there's no way we can beat them. Look who's their coach. As if I was the one playing in the game. And it makes me think there have been times where after I've coached one of our kids in a youth basketball game going through the the line to congratulate the other coach when we've lost. I've had a coach say to me, I can't believe I just beat Rebecca Lobo. At which point I have to say to them, no, 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 you didn't just beat me. Your fourth graders beat my fourth graders. There's a big difference there. There's no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. At the end of our last podcast, we mentioned that we were going to encourage people to leave a review on iTunes because we were told that we should encourage people to leave a review on iTunes. And so some people did. And my favorite, (laughs) my favorite one was the one that said, if you're looking for a podcast with two people who have nothing in common with each other, are generally annoyed with each other, and are married with a Brady Brady Bunch starter kit of kids, look no further this podcast is for you. So I guess I'm generally annoyed uh, with you. You're generally annoyed with me. And um, we have nothing in we common. We have nothing in common. <laughs> Just off the top of my we head. We actually, we have that in common. We're annoyed with one another. We're That's annoyed true. with one another. We're roughly the same height. We have that in common. We both like nachos. We have that in common, yes. Um, anything else? I think that's I more think that's than enough. many have. Right. <laughs> that is true. And then, uh, and then we got a response from someone on Twitter. It says, uh, by the way, I feel like I am listening to my own marriage when I listen to your podcast. Helps me realize how wonderful I have it. <laughs> <laughs> what? what is that? So, so I guess we... Uh, I don't, I don't know exactly what that means. But, At least uh, I'm not married to that guy. Is that what you're saying? I think I th- it was a woman. So, yes, I think that's exactly what she's saying is no matter how how horrible my marriage is, at least it's better than yours. Well, fair enough. I mean, I've heard from people that Rebecca has a great laugh. I don't have a laugh, apparently. I like to laugh internally. And I think... You come off as the happy-go-lucky, pleasant person. Appropriately. And I may be coming off as more generally annoyed than I am in real life. I think partly because... (laughs) Wait, wait. You think you're coming off as being more annoyed than you actually are. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. You you in real life kind of (laughs) sometimes come off as... Generally annoyed. Well, you're certainly coming off as uh, less annoyed than you are in real life. And well, that's because when you see me, I'm around you, and your annoyance. Uh, well, when I could perhaps make me. More I, I did walk into the kitchen this morning, and I could hear it from the stairs. I heard you yelling, "I'm on the do not call list." I'm on the do not call list. Okay, so you were you were yelling to a very pleasant robot, no. as I'm sure you know. <laughs> Well, this is what drives me nuts. So I get a call on my cell phone. It's got the same, you know, the first six numbers are the same. Our area code and the first three numbers are the same. But they I do know, that to disguise. Of course, them. I know. I know it's not a real call. I know it's a robocall. But I didn't know if there's anything on the other end picking up. But what, any what, part of my conversation? I was doing that for comedic effect. What that could was just possibly have? compelled you to answer the phone. I could because I never have. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to roll the dice here and answer 
And uh, maybe, maybe there will be somebody on the other line. And this, I can tell the them time. I am on the do not call list. Do not bother me ever again. I mean, have you gotten like a good phone call in the last 20 you years? You know what I did get? Uh, this was this summer. There was a phone call that came into my cell phone and I didn't answer it. And it was from somewhere in Texas. And then the person called back and left a message. And they said, that was me who just called. It was a wrong number, but I thought it was rude to just hang up. So I wanted to call and just let you know that I called the wrong number. I'm sorry. Have a pleasant day. I don't know if you remember. I played this for you. I thought it was, what a nice thing to do. The person uh, realized it was the wrong number and then called back. And I had somebody a week or two ago text me. And I forget what it said, but it was clearly... Oh, no, this is what it was. Somebody called me, uh, a number I didn't recognize, and I rolled the dice and I answered it. I answered the phone, hello, and the guy on the other end said, who's this? I just said, don't call my phone and say, who's this? And and I hung up and he texted me back and said, "Uh, you've called me three times in a row and I was returning the call and I texted him back and said, I haven't called you. I haven't texted you. We ended up having a little mini text exchange that ended up being very pleasant. But uh, who answers the phone? Who who this? Well, I like that you roll the dice and answer the phone from random strangers. When when I call, it goes straight to voicemail. <laughs> That's you. That's a known quantity, so you're not answering. I I I have never seen you call and not answered on purpose. I have occasionally gotten annoyed and hung up and then later blamed it on bad cell coverage, but I've never not answered your call. <laughs> the two hours during the kidney stone episode, you didn't answer my call. I was in the text, grocery store. My, you were in the grocery store. Yeah, it doesn't, you know, that's that's like no that's like That's there. like LA's equivalent of I'm driving through the canyons or, or in New York, I'm in the tunnel. Except that you know it's true. In our grocery store, if I'm about to check out, I will get a text. But if I'm in the back of the grocery store, I completely lose all all service. Well, I, I fear I'm already coming off as generally annoyed when I'm not. I, I think <laughs> the reason for this is we record these in the morning and I'm, I wouldn't describe me as a morning person. You're not a morning person at all. You're an evening person. You, you would prefer to stay up late than to get up early. I'm not sure I'm any time of the day a person. I, I think <laughs> I'm a, kind of an early to mid-afternoon person. <laughs> yeah. There's like a window between one thirty and 2 when I think I'm you're, really... You're an early afternoon person. But, yes, but our seven-year-old said to me the other day, and it's a word I hadn't heard in ages, and it's a great word. She described somebody, not me, as gloomy. And I thought, what a great word, gloomy. It's near relative glum. These are great words, and, and there's almost a nobility in being gloomy as opposed to being annoyed, depressed, angry. Your whatever you're going to be in your uh, in your eulogy. Um, would you th- do you think that was a good word just in general, or was it a good word to describe you? Oh no, no, I'm not gloomy. I, I'm whatever the opposite of that is. I'm perky. <laughs> the one word. There are lots and lots of words you could use to describe you, and, and many of them positive, but perky. <laughs> <laughs> there's no, there's no way I think anyone in, that knows you would ever describe you as. Perky. I think people who don't know me, who just see me passing on a train, would not describe me as that. But I think the happiest word or phrase in the English language is "bouncy castle." <laughs> it's it's not possible to say that angrily, and I should probably just repeat that as a mantra every morning before we. Well, every morning, period. Just but wake no, up saying bouncy castle? Yes, try it. Nobody has ever said, you rented me a faulty bouncy castle and I'll make you pay. You I'm can't gonna, say it angrily. That's a great word. I think I'll use that on a te- on an upcoming telecast. If I'm calling a game and somebody does just an amazing move, that was bouncy castle. That that should replace like bananas. You know, that stuff was bananas. That stuff was bouncy castle. I think and, we could get that to catch on. You know, there, there are, there are, sports have some of those great words I think the best word in sports, you don't get to say it in basketball, and you seldom get to say it in football anymore, is flea flicker. <laughs> Can you use that in uh, in a context that's not football or sports? Why don't, you, why don't you start using that too? If you start just saying words like bouncy castle and flea flicker, it will make you more perky. If you need the bassist from Red Hot Chili Peppers to get the attention of a woman next to him, you would say... Flea, flicker. Oh, good heavens. This is my marriage for people who don't 
realize because somebody some people will say to me oh we love your husband's writing what's it you know what is he like this is what you're like you say things like this yeah. <laughs> you asked me to use flea flicker in a sentence <laughs> i don't think i did or maybe i did but anyway i fear that we're coming off as i'm the person angrily ranting at the pleasant robot on the phone while you're the pleasant robot you're, you fear that's how we're coming off? I think I'm coming across exactly how I am. I think you're I'm, wor- com- I'm worried that I'm coming across exactly well, as I am. I was going to say, I think you're coming across exactly how you well, are. It's, that's the, la- we, that's the you, last thing I want. We, we are keeping the universe of our home in balance. You mentioned on an earlier podcast flipping your first bird to somebody and in, in traffic. And you went off on somebody in a fast food emporium the other night as well. So I think you're becoming a little angrier. I'm no, it's not angry. It's becoming a parent more. And, 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 and your anger is become a, no. becoming a parent yes. or it is you becoming <laughs> right. a space parent? Yes, I think it's both of those things. Now, when I flipped off the person, it's the first time in my life I had ever done that. And your response to me was, I'm proud of you. Not what did they do or anything. It was just, I'm proud of you. Yes. So we were in a, in a Burger King because one of our kids had just had a basketball game. All of our kids were super hungry. It was the one place that seemed convenient to go. So we went to the Burger King. You had our older three kids in line, and I was with our seven-year-old. Went into the bathroom. When I walked in, there there were two girls in this kind of small bathroom, but I took our youngest into the stall. I go in with her. I'm putting the toilet paper on the seat for her. Anyway, we're in there for a little bit. And while we're in there, the girls just start talking and cursing and cursing and F-bombs flying left and right. F-bomb, 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 F-bomb. These are six, seven-year-olds we're talking about? <laughs> no. But you know what? They were. I, I didn't know exactly how old they were because I hadn't really gotten a good look at them when I went in. But I was getting angrier and angrier. And so when we came out of the stall, I looked at these girls. And first of all, however, however old they were, they were tiny. So, you know, I come out, this 6'4 woman you know, holding the hand of a seven-year-old. And I would say the girls were maybe 14. And and at that point, I had just had it. And, um, and I, I said to them, I said, my seven-year-old did not need to hear that language. Be aware of your surroundings before you start cursing like this. And I said it in a very terse tone as I'm looking down at these girls. And they're just looking up at me. And I'm, I'm, I wash my hands and I go out of the bathroom. In hindsight, I should have, while they were saying all this, I should have while I was still in the stall, I'll say there's a seven-year-old in here, but that that doesn't matter. Like, so anyway, so I went out, I joined you, we ordered our food, we waited a while for our food, and while we were waiting for the food, I realized that the the three girls were kind of hovering over in the in the alley between the bathroom and where they were going to place their order. They were clearly terrified, and it, it was during that that I went from anger to sadness. Like it, it honestly hurt my heart that these little fourteen-year-olds were using this language. And they weren't accompanied by a parent. And, um, you know, they were talking about taking the bus back into Springfield and and other things. And it just hurt my heart that that's language that they use. That's probably language that they hear all the time. And um, but separate from that, it doesn't have to be language that my seven year old needs to hear all the time. And and someone needed to say something to them. So I didn't mean to terrify them. But hopefully it's a, a lesson that they'll they'll learn um, that 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 just wasn't okay. So I have zero regrets about confronting those poor little girls in the Burger King bathroom. It's almost an echo of the Humpty Dance. You once got angry in a Burger King bathroom. <laughs> What's the actual lyric? You once got busy in a Burger King Burger King bathroom. Well, I I did get busy in a, <laughs> in a different way by scolding those poor little girls. Well, another reason for your your rage issues, your anger issues. <laughs> because that's now it's an epidemic that I well, have. This is a segue, trying to dovetail your anger issues with possible sources. And it may be that both of us work from home. We're doing that right now. I can get You can get on each other's nerves. Well, you can get on mine. Do I get on yours? <laughs> oh, no, no. I of thought that was not. a whole one-way. Yeah, that's a one-way street. <laughs> But but interestingly, and somewhat uncomfortably, twice in the last few weeks, uh, people I know, men who uh, work in business and travel a lot for work, have told me that they're scaling back 
They're going to get off the road. They're going to work less, semi-retire. And where I come into this, because I have no useful knowledge of business or anything else, where I came into this is they both separately asked me for advice on working from home, which segued very quickly into being an idle layabout during daytime <laughs> weekday hours. And so what was your what was your big advice that you were giving these men? Well, I certainly didn't say, you know, I kind of work during the day. I suggested they sleep till noon, <laughs> roll out of bed and sweats. Well, I have to tell you that that when when one of these people told us this, they were in the, our house, and you and and he went off into the kitchen, and I just looked at his wife and said, "The biggest challenge is going to be for you. You've gone to from you're going to go from having your home, your space, your area infiltrated now <laughs> by somebody when you're in the middle of trying to get work done, and they come over and say, you know, look at this video I saw on YouTube, or did you hear the story of what's happening on the news right now?" and and you just have to smile and nod and pretend to be interested when all you really want to do is get back to your work. So I, I like that these men, you know, this is a life-changing thing for them, but they're also, it's a life-changing thing for their their wives. Their world is about to get torn apart well. <laughs> by, by their husbands rejoining them at home. So, but well, I, I, I do like that you are an expert on that. You should be a consultant for the men. How to fill are, your time. How to fill your time. <laughs> no, I, I've taken up pottery. <laughs> I'm learning to play the bassoon. I do, I do get it because even our own children who don't see us really in working hours because once they're home, work has to stop. I asked our oldest daughter a few years ago, I said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she said, she thought about it sincerely and she said, I don't want to be anything when I grow up. And I said, well, you have to be something. Everybody's something when they grow up. And she said, yeah, but dad, you're not anything. And I want to be like you. So, <laughs> Which was the, the, the sweetest thing ever. Well, it's funny because our, our, our youngest, the past couple of years when I would travel a lot, she would have a really hard time with it. There was, I think it was last year or maybe it was the year before when I was gone, you know, during March Madness, during the Women's Final Four, I was gone for a week straight. And I just remember talking to you on the phone and you said, you've got to talk to Rose. She's, she was inconsolable. It was bedtime. She was at the end of it. And uh, and uh, she said, you know, when are you going to be home through her tears? And, uh, and I said, I'm going to be home in four more sleeps. She said, I can handle three more sleeps. I can't handle four more sleeps. And so... It can be really hard on them, and 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 that, around that same time, she was giving, she was crying one night because I was telling her I was leaving the next day, and you know why do you have to leave? And I would say because this is my job, and why do you have to have this job? Well, because I love my job. I don't love leaving you kids, but I love my job. And and she said, well, can't you work at the orchard making pies? You can work at the orchard making pies, and it was ridiculously sweet on two levels. One. I do make a pretty good pie that she thought I could sell my pies. But, you know, just in her world, of course, just go work at, go work and make pies and, and you don't have to travel to talk ball games. So my brother's son, our nephew, Charlie, when he was little, my brother travels a lot for work and he was gone for a few days. And Charlie, very matter of factly and not at all with any apparent anxiety about it, just said to his mother, Daddy doesn't live here anymore, does he? And he was fine with that. He was just confirming. And then his mother said, no, Daddy does live here. He's just traveling for a traveling few days. Traveling for work, yeah. So I mean, we do have a pretty unique situation. I mean, there's plenty of people who work from home, but I bet it's 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 got to be rare where both of the parents work from home. And, you know, our kids, you know, might complain about us I don't know, being gone for, for anything. But we say to them, you know, you realize most parents leave for work often before their kids get on the school bus and return at dinner time. Like the fact that we're here, if one of our kids, you know, if the school nurse calls because one of our kids is sick, 
you know, we don't have to go through the huge challenges that people who, who are working in a workplace do to find somebody to come get their child or to cover for them at work. We, we have a little bit of flexibility. But I'm going to go quickly back to the advice I'll give a piece of advice to, to the men who were seeking your counsel about being home more. Seeking my counsel. Seeking that, that, counsel. that makes me feel better now. They were seeking my counsel. <laughs> they were counsel. seeking your counsel. The one thing I would tell them to not do is something that you did yesterday. <laughs> You're looking at me uh, quizzically because it could be a number of things in your mind, but this, this is the so, one so thing So you're going to tell them do. don't put the Christmas tree no. lights up on the tree no, no, to that, surprise that you. No, that was awesome. Oh, okay. This is the thing I'll tell them not to do. If your wife is finishing making a, making the dinner ahead of time because she's going to be out doing something, maybe coaching a kid's basketball game or whatever, and in the middle of, of doing the dishes before she has to leave, don't walk in the kitchen and say, <laughs> Alexa, set an alarm for 2.35. And then go sit on the couch, lay on the couch reading, but knowing you're going to fall asleep. And that's why you needed... Alexa, to set the alarm. Alexa, set an alarm for 2.35. I just finished cooking the dinner. Now I'm trying to get the dishes done before I have to go off to a meeting. <laughs> and you as an early afternoon person <laughs> needed the alarm just in case you dozed off. <laughs> That's why I'm an early afternoon person. I look forward to that 2.30 doze off before the 3 o'clock school pickup. But Let you, me just say this. Wait, wait, that, that is utter BS. Did that happen? No, it didn't happen. Oh, no, I, I, I asked Alexa to set the alarm, yes. And, and I sat on the couch to read. Reading is writing. Reading is working. <laughs> the advice you give to writers is to read. And so if I'm not reading, I'm not writing. If I'm not writing, I'm not working. I lay on the couch with the potential to doze off. When I do that, <laughs> it's work. <laughs> and then that's why you needed the alarm. Because Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney. Paul <laughs> oh, McCartney geez. dreamt yesterday. The most recorded song of the 20th century came to him in a dream. When, and would when, any would anybody argue that that wasn't work? <laughs> now I have not yet dreamt anything remotely like yesterday, but I'm uh, I have to be I have to be on call. Well, I have to be asleep in you, order to dream. You don't need to dream yesterday. I lived yesterday and my piece I of mean, advice yesterday my, with a capital Y. I know, but my piece of advice to the husbands who are home is to not do that. But you did. I came home, you had put the Christmas lights in the windows. You've never done that before. That was I drove up and said, "Girls, this this is great. Did Daddy do this? You got the Christmas lights for the Christmas tree and put them on." That's why the alarm was set for 2:35 because I had to go to the hardware store to buy two more strands of lights cuz two of the two of the strands had been burned out. And but this, this, but and I said to you, if you're going to go buy them, choose any ones you want. We talked about this last week. You could have chosen the big, colorful bulbs, and you didn't. You went with the little white, tasteful bulbs. Now we had we had two strings of white bulbs already, and I wasn't going to mix mix those. But the the this is the reason not to work from home. Nobody's nobody cares if you doze off at your desk discreetly. Yeah, I, I encourage you to to not work from home. I mean, no, I encourage I was, you to I work was, from elsewhere. Not I to was not, not work working from home. From no, home. That's what I'm saying. I encourage you to work from Not work from, from elsewhere? From, from, yes, exactly. Then at least I don't know. I also rent an office where I, where I sometimes go to network. <laughs> oh, I mean, to network. Right. <laughs> network and not work. I was just going to say, I, I this shouldn't happen. I shouldn't doze off in early afternoon anymore because I, I'm now taking... A vitamin. <laughs> you, as of this wait, morning. As of this morning. So maybe those napping days are behind you because now you're taking the vitamin that I got for you yesterday there, there was, at the grocery there, store. There was a jar for for the past year. There has been a jar of gummy bears in our cabinet that say they have vitamin D. They're gummy vitamins. So They're... I've been eating them. They're delicious. And only only when the jar got empty. Did I look at them and see they're a multivitamin for women? <laughs> and, <laughs> Which, of course, means there's no more. Of, I purchased those for me because yeah. my doctor recommended, you know, to get a vitamin right. D. You need more vitamin D in the wintertime because you're not in the sun as much. So yesterday, after you'd finished my bottle of gummy I looked at the label D's, to see for the first time to see what you needed to buy more of at the grocery because, as they say, they were delicious. And I realized... <laughs> They are engineered for women. Well, so 
So I went and got you vitamin, a daily vitamin. And the, the labeling on this, this jar of vitamins was interesting. They were labeled men's vitamins. Yeah. The brand name was Alive with an exclamation mark. It has an exclamation mark. Yeah. I didn't notice that. And I, I believe that's an abbreviation for, I can't believe you're still alive. <laughs> You old man taking this vitamin. But didn't it say specifically on the bottle? Specifically engineered for men. And it even had an even more ego-boosting warning of not to be taken by women. Right. (laughs) What could possibly be in there that it has to to say not to be taken Uh, uh, by women? uh, Galvanized roofing nails. I don't know what what it is that I'm eating. But but, uh, two things. One, Alive is also the name of a book famous book about the Uruguayan rugby team that crashed on the Andes and resorted to cannibalism to survive. I know that because my fifth grade teacher recommended I read that book. And when I told my mother that, she said, no, I can think of maybe where the wet red fern grows might be a better one for you to read. It was a book that people, kids dared each other to read when I was a kid, when it came out in 1974, because it was that terrifying. It still is. The other thing is that whole formulated for men thing, you know, that, hey, it's okay to take this vitamin. This is this is a manly vitamin for men. It's like the Irish Spring soap commercial where they'd say, manly, yes, but I like it too. That woman would say, do you remember that commercial? <laughs> I know. I remember Irish Spring, the guy was in the outdoor shower, and they always showed that commercial during Fantasy Island on Fridays. Yeah, yeah. Before, but before, I don't remember the, the, the woman The campaign before that was a woman would say, manly, yes, but I like it too. The, either way, they had to demonstrate to men that it was okay to use soap <laughs> in the same way that uh, that secret was strong enough for a man but made for a woman but but made for a woman yes right. yes exactly. she says in her high grand voice well let's let's go back to your vitamins because the reaction you had when you started eating them was interesting <laughs> you said they're absolutely disgusting well I, 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 I didn't care for them certainly but it, it did make me feel like it was doing something because Eating the gummy bears, it just felt like I was eating gummy bears, which I like. Well, they weren't gummy bears, though. They were just these pastel, round, sugar-encrusted no, vitamin no, the, the, Ds, No, the kids' they? vitamins are sugar-encrusted. These weren't? I'm not actually eating Flintstone vitamins, though if they make them for adults, I would happily do so. Well, only if they made them for Fred and not Wilma. Right, yes. Because, Engineered for Fred. Yes. But okay for but, Wilma, too. <laughs> but Wilma likes it, too. Well, the packaging, because I went to the grocery yesterday after I had gone to our local pet food store to our dog. We were out of pet food. And as I'm looking for for the kind that we normally got her, but we like to mix up the flavors a little bit. So, So the one I found and the one I purchased, one of the reasons I bought it was because I just needed to get a picture of the bag itself because it said, farm to table inspired. It was farm-to-table-inspired dog food. No, no, no. I saw the bag. It was farm-to-table-inspired canine cuisine. It was unbelievably expensive. The good thing was we had we had gotten to the point at our pet food store where it was time to get the free bag of food, so we didn't have to pay for this unbelievably expensive. That's the good expen- thing. The good thing is we've already spent so many <laughs> so <much> hundreds <laughs> of dollars on canine yes. cuisine for yes. our dog who eats her own poop yes. that we've earned we've, farm-to-table Canine cuisine. We, Meanwhile, we have... I'm eating gas station to sofa, <laughs> Cool Ranch Doritos, but the dog is eating <laughs> yes. farm to table They should cuisine. build that as gas station to sofa or gas station to driver's seat meals. I think you're, you're on to something there. So. My favorite food label is uh, on the frozen pizza box, the three-step preparation instructions of remove from box, remove plastic wrapping, and do not eat frozen. <laughs> How hammered is your demographic that remove from box is part of the frozen pizza instructions? Well, that goes back to last week, the meatloaf, the un, non-ovenable. Was that what the Non-ovenable was? meatloaf. The non-ovenable. The, well, I had never eaten a frozen pizza until I met you. When, when I was a kid growing up, if we were going to have pizza that night, we would get it from one of the million pizza places in our town. I didn't even know, honestly, that you could that frozen pizza existed other than in TV commercials. Now we have made... You have made many, many, many frozen pizzas in this house. So you know exactly what the box says. And they say we have nothing in common. Right. We definitely have that in common. We, over Thanksgiving, when when my family was here, 
we uh, when we're talking about Christmas, we do a secret Santa every year. This is just the adults. So the kids, the, the adults still buy presents for nieces and nephews and grandkids and that sort of thing. But a few years ago, we started with the secret Santa within within the family for the adults. I liked your take on it when after you picked your name from the hat, you said, why don't we give each other $20? 25. 25, is that the limit? Because <laughs> it ends up being, you just end up getting a, a gift card for someone, a $25 no, gift card. What it ends up being is your dad and I, every year, exchange $25 Dick's gift cards. <laughs> I think last year or the year before, we may have run into each other at Dick's, <laughs> buying funny. each other gift cards. It's like, it's like, it's like a fletch. Give each, give each other twenty dollars. Yeah. We should do that. It's a it's a little silly, and we talked about this last week too with our with our Christmas tree. And you know, my favorite Christmas tree ever was that that awful one we had one year, just the ugly one. It wasn't awful. And a friend of mine told me recently that that he knows somebody who every year when they go to purchase their Christmas tree, that's their goal is to find one that's uglier than the year before, so that they can get an even funnier picture. The tree I got this year is probably the most perfect tree in terms of symmetry. It's this beautiful tree. But I like the idea of getting an ugly tree, getting the ugliest tree you possibly can. I think that would uh, be good comedy. I try to avoid the Christmas tree purchase and or maintenance. So I'll have to ask you for an update. Has it formed a sap seal yet? No, I didn't tell you this. So Siobhan and I, our oldest daughter and I, went to get the Christmas tree, um, but we had to run some other errands first. And by the time we ran those errands, we were on a really tight schedule this past weekend. By the time we ran those other errands, we couldn't get to the Christmas tree farm. So we went to a different and new place to get the Christmas tree. And it was so easy. It was already cut. So the, the guy just looked at me. He said, would you like a fresh cut? And yes, but the tree was just right there. He just cut a little bit off on the bottom, put it on the car. It was a really easy way easy way to get a tree. And now the tree is is decorated. The kids decorated it. I've heard that there are some people, I have a friend who said that that they have two Christmas trees, one that the kids get to decorate, and then one that is the pretty tree that she, that she makes look nice. And I, I was looking at our tree this morning and about one third of it is covered with all of the kids' ornaments, all the ornaments they've ever made, pictures of themselves, stuff made out of paper and popsicle sticks. But I love it. I can't imagine having like the pretty tree. I think that is, ours is our pretty tree. It's awesome. It's got all the kids, you know, stuff on it. I like that trees and generals are the two things that get decorated. <laughs> Those are the two things that well, get decorated. Well, it seems most frequently come up as being highly decorated, highly decorated general. And then our Christmas tree, which is also very highly decorated. Speaking of highly decorated things and trees, I saw a picture recently of the White House decorated for Christmas. And it made me think of when you and I, two years in a row, got to go to White House Christmas party. Um, this is when President W. Bush was in office. And you and I went to the, to the Christmas party. And every room, like the blue room, the red room, whatever, there was a different tree in every room and it was decorated. Every room is decorated a little bit differently. And my most vivid memory of being there is you said, let's sit in every every chair in the room because we don't know when we're ever going to get back. So we literally were in the rooms and went from chair to chair sitting. And so then I don't know, a couple years later, our oldest daughter was about six years old and she was in our living room and she was, PBS was on and they were doing a special on, on the White House and showing the different rooms. And I went in and, uh, and she said to me, I watched this show last week with daddy. And I said, oh, really? And, you know, did you learn about the White House? And, and she said, yes. And daddy told me he tooted in that chair. So thank you for teaching our children everything that is fine about about Christmas and the White House and once again and other things. Once again, that doesn't sound like me, but I'm, <laughs> I'll take your word for it. It sounds exactly like it you. It occurred to me when we were talking about Secret Santas, I've, I've got my solution. I've, I won't say who it is. I don't want to give up the game, but I, I did draw a man in this year's Secret Santa, and I'm going to give him secret <laughs> as Santa and tell him that while it's made for a woman, it's strong enough for a man. Well, I thought you were going to say you were going to give him some of the the vitamins. Ooh, give him those as well. Give him give him the secret. I'll give him the gift of alive. 
Uh, before we go any further, we need to talk about spider plants. We do. We do. <laughs> okay. Let's uh, talk about this spider is, plants. Consider this an intervention because the front of our house, the only room that gets any sun, is completely overrun with potted spider plants. It's beginning to look like a 1970s apartment in there with, we just need the macrame hanging potholders and it will will finish the job. First of all, I'm surprised you even noticed the spider plants because the spider plants and a couple other plants are sitting on the piece of furniture that I bought that it took you two weeks to even realize was in there. I have to walk through that room like a Victorian explorer in a pith helmet, brushing aside the, the, the fauna as well as the flora to get through there. While you're not prone to exaggeration, that may be one. Okay, so we have, I don't know, five maybe spider plants and they are not pretty they're <laughs> but they're awesome and and the reason i love them is because when our kids were in preschool one of the things each of them got near the end of preschool was this little tiny baby spider plant and so they came home with it and they've helped care for it and water it and now those spider plants have gotten much bigger have had babies of their own that they that we've replanted so all those spider plants that we have upstairs are from our children from when they were three and four years old and and they've helped these plants grow when you say they're not pretty but they're awesome and they're growing are you talking about the plants or our children and <laughs> right. lost track there right exactly i'm talking about the plants and so the plants the only plants that we have we have the spider plants and then we have two aloe plants that my mother gave me my mother who passed away six years ago so those are very special to me the aloe plants are special to me and in some way, it's my mother, like one of, one of our kids gets a burn or something. We put the, you know, the gel from the aloe plant on there. It's like she's still helping to take care of the kids. And then we have the spider plants, which our kids help take care of. And while they're... But we have way more spider plants than we have children. Well, that's because they have all these... The spider plants have babies and then, it's, you know, you end up replanting them. So are you saying you'd be okay with like, it as long as we like only This sounds like a metaphor four. for for life and parenthood. Right. No, we either need to have fewer spider plants or more children, is what I'm saying. <laughs> All right. I I'm okay with having fewer spider plants. Done. Okay. Although I might be open to having more kids if uh, if they could just be, you know, seven years old right away. Like our seven-year-old had her first basketball game of her life this past weekend. And this is the kid with three older siblings. And for every Sunday... And Saturday, since she was born, she has had to go to a Catholic school gym somewhere and watch one of her siblings play. And it was finally her turn. And I was uh, Sunday morning or Saturday morning, whenever her game was, I was in the basement early in the morning because I am a morning person. And she came down the stairs and I just turned and looked at her. It was probably 745 in the morning. And she was wearing her uniform jersey, her uniform shorts and her basketball sneakers. And the beauty of it was her game wasn't until four o'clock that afternoon. And she was busting at the seams. She was so excited about this, so excited that that afternoon when I was going to get a Christmas tree, I told her, put on sweats or put on something warm so we can go get the Christmas tree. And she chose instead to not go to get the Christmas tree because that would have meant covering up or taking off her uniform. So she was in absolute heaven going to this game. And so we're there, I'm, I'm watching the game, I'm coaching the game, and it is just absolutely delightful. The kids dribble, pick the ball up, dribble again. Fortunately, the, the referees don't call them for traveling. They are just running down the floor. My, our daughter was just beaming ear to ear the whole time. And, uh, and there are a couple things that happen that just I love. One was when one of the girls scored and she just, all the girls pogo stick and jump up and down, so excited for their teammate themselves, and then eventually run down the court. The other one was some of the questions that I got. So the, the score was like 12 to 2 or 12 to 4, and the little scoreboards across this tiny basketball court. And one of the girls who's not in the game looks at me and... Uh, and says, can they take points away from us? <laughs> and of course, that's a fair question. I said, no, they, they can't take points away from us. And then at, at halftime, I heard one of the girls on the other team say, they keep counting by twos. Because of course, 
I'm sure at that age, that's how they learn, two, four, six, eight. And of course, in basketball, these kids aren't making free throws. They're not making three-point shots. So they're think, counting by twos. I think it's something the NBA should experiment with, taking points off the board. Right. It would be the Hogwarts model of refereeing where you, 40 points taken from, from the Gryffindor. Pistons. Yes. Right, right. No, I, I, I like that idea. And then yesterday, we had a basketball practice, and the kids were just, you know, getting a chance to warm up, shooting, free shooting. And while well, another coach and I were talking, and one of the little girls comes up earnestly. This is the one actually who asked if they could take points away. And she said, Coach, when is class going to start? And uh, <laughs> I said, uh, class is going to start shortly. It's just, it's so sweet and innocent and lovely. And, and, and I love our, it. The, the seven-year-old's game was at this Catholic gym that I think I, I think I have been to every Catholic grade school gym in Connecticut and many in the tri-state area. Uh, I'd never been in this one before. And the brick walls of the gym on the sidelines and the baseline are right up against the court. Yeah, And there were tons of parents there. There was no place for them to stand and watch. There was a little stage where they had a set of folding chairs on the stage that only accommodated about a dozen people. And then this, then stairs. Stairs that, pe- that people like, were like a fire escape, basically. On. But yeah. it occurred to me that all of these Catholic school gyms were built in an era when parents didn't go to their kids' games. Right. They certainly didn't hang out at their kids' practices. You, you sent them off to the game, and three or four days later, if it was a long weekend, they'd return home and everything would be fine. <laughs> And and uh, all of these Catholic gyms have these these quirks like this because they were built. Nobody's building those gyms now. They were built in the no 1930s. No one's building Catholic schools now. Of course, not. of course. So I remember a couple of years ago we were at a gym in West Hartford and the this old Catholic school and a guy in the bleachers was telling me that he went to grade school there in the 1960s and at the time the jump circle had a big hump in it. So if you were running down the middle of the court, you would have to kind of run over this speed bump where the floor had buckled. And I pointed to the jump circle and said, it's still there 50-some <laughs> years later. And sure enough, it was. Yeah. I mean, that that's that's the challenge of these gyms. Our, our 11-year-old, when she walked in to watch her sister's game, said, the, the court is square. It's the first time <laughs> she'd ever seen a square court. And indeed, it was. The three-point line touched the little tiny jump circle. And the court was square. So, I kind of like that, though. It's like ballparks or some soccer fields that don't have the exact same dimensions. It, it's like a basketball court you had to fit into a city block so that, you know, you have the, the short porch and right field or something. It was a square basketball court. The thing I loved was our older daughter saying, do I have to go to her game? I was like, are you kidding? This kid has been forced to go to every one of your games for the past eight years. Yes, of course. You have to go to this basketball game. And and when we walked in, the people running it, because there was a boys game before the girls game, they said, we're, uh, you know, we're running about 15 minutes behind. And they didn't realize that 15 minutes behind was completely going to rock our world because we had it timed out to the minute. The second our youngest game was over, we had to get in the car and drive 45 minutes to get to our older daughter's game to be able to get there on time. So this just leads me to, you know, the one thing, I think the most important thing you can do as a coach is end practice on time. Hopefully you're also teaching a kid sports and, and, and to love the sport and all those things. But the number one thing you have to do is end your practice on time because there are families who need to get then to the next thing. And if you're late, you're going to make them late in this domino effect. So, but, you know, being the younger sibling, I have two older siblings. I, I would go to their hockey games. We'd take the wax cups from the from the garbage can that had come out of the pop machine turn them upside down and stomp on them and try to make a sound like a gunshot under the under the bleachers at the Bloomington Ice Garden. I love the way that now the younger siblings, our kids go to their older siblings games and it, you know there's that one minute between quarters where the, all of the younger siblings from all of the teammates rush out the bleachers onto the court and just start hoisting three-pointers with abandon until the refs chase them back off. Uh, I love the, the, the gyms, particularly these Catholic grade schools, they have these dusty banners, you know, 1961 deanery champions and, uh, you know, the balls that have been marooned in the rafters since 1971, the kickballs and the badminton shuttlecocks that have gotten wedged into the ventilation system. I love all of that stuff. You love the the different manner and styles of the officiating. Like when we were at our seven-year-old's game, for kids that age, they just got a couple high school kids to do it. The high school kids weren't, you know, 
they were just kind of standing there. There's the, the rule in this league is that defensively you can't play defense outside of the three-point arc, um, and that's a complete necessity or else th- there's nothing that even resembles basketball that's going to happen. And the, the team kept coming outside of that arc, and finally I just at the half I went over and said to these you know two 14-year-old boys, you don't have to call a foul, you don't have to call a travel, but you do have to make sure that the teams get back inside the three-point arc. But all these boys cared about was, you know, at the end of the quarter, at the end of the half, they got to shoot around a little bit. You know, they were there getting their 20 bucks or whatever it was, and they were fine. I mean, it, it was appropriate for, for this age. But it's funny when you see, like, young kids, and, and when they blow the whistle, it's like a tweet. You know, that's the other thing. I've told kids if they... If you're going to ref, just do me one favor. If you blow the whistle, make sure everybody can hear it. It's also hard to be cool in referee. You know, the the teenage refs want to be cool, but at the same time, if they call a travel, they have to do the disco rolling the dough motion that just is incompatible with remaining uh, cool and aloof. We had, you weren't at the game, but I attended a couple of kids' games this weekend where we had adult refs who were hoisting, one adult ref who was hoisting uh, half-court buzzer beaters in between quarters. And, and I had to applaud it because it is hard to stand there in the middle of a court with a basketball and not want to not want to heave a half-court shot. The other ref in the same game when we arrived was doing push-ups with his hands on the basketball and using the basketball for the push-ups in our Hold seven-year-old. Hold on. Yes, you didn't he was. tell me this. I didn't tell you this. And our seven-year-old, when we walked in, said, oh, is he making sure there's enough air in the ball? And I said, <laughs> well, if he is, there probably are better ways to do it. I said, I How think he's just. How old was the ref? He was 35. He was doing push-ups. Holding yeah, I was. I was waiting for the ball to pop. It was like a stress test and like a like a Dunlop tire factory or something. Then what it, kind of a ref was he? Was he like the kind that? No, he doing... was. He was. He was. He was the kind that has you know the tailored sleeves to uh, accentuate the guns, and he was just you know pumping himself he up between the, quarters. The 11 year old referee at hockey league version. He, exactly. He may have been the same referee who was checking his texts during timeouts and in between quarters, which I, I applaud. It's it's the refs that I've seen, and I've seen more than one, checking them and taking calls during fast breaks that I find, you know, is not a good look, not the best look for a referee. You've seen a referee answer a phone. Absolutely. During a game. Uh, more than once. And, and in his defense, the, the referee that I remember most recently this happening to, he was directing another referee to a different place that he had to be. This was like the director of officials. Oh, right. And he okay. was checking why hasn't this ref gotten to think. And in fairness, you know, how much is he going to miss in an eight-year-old's uh, fast break? Right, right. Well, it's it's interesting because you get all manner of officials when it comes to youth basketball. Sometimes they're decent. Sometimes they're very good. Sometimes they're horrible. Um, but that's fine. I mean, you don't want your kid to get hurt. That's that's sometimes when you're you get a little frustrated when the game gets too you, physical. You don't, you don't want, want somebody them. else's kid to get you hurt. Don't want, you don't want anyone to get hurt. Exactly. Yes. You don't want your kid to get hurt. <laughs> well, you don't want any, any. You're right. You don't want any kid to get hurt. But I can't imagine ever having anything happen that would result in me as a coach getting a technical in youth basketball. But yeah, it's 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 interesting to watch to watch the officials in this regard. Actually, because last week I called the UConn-Notre Dame women's basketball game. The officials were terrific in that game to the point where, you know, you know the referees are good when you don't even notice them out there. But before the game, one of them came over and just said to me, how was your seven-year-old's game? Because he must have seen my tweet about how excited she was to play in it. And uh, that was really sweet. It doesn't answer the age-old question that has always nagged me, and I think most right-thinking people, and that is why do basketball referees who spend an hour and a half sprinting back and forth wear dress slacks, black dress slacks, as their as their athletic wear? I don't know. It's 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 better, though, than what was the brand of gym short that every gym teacher wore bike. when we were bike. growing up? That's right, bike. Every and coach had, wore bike Bike and shorts with the two snaps the and, and spot-built shoes, yes. like the coach's shoes. Well, the, the two snaps was what was so interesting about those, like, compression-y kind of bike shorts. I, I had a pair. No, you didn't. I did. When I, was, when I was, like, 13, 14 years old. <laughs> Why? Every, Only refs? Every, Everybody. No, not no. refs. Coaches, high school coaches. Did, and okay, I, refs I, let and me coaches, tell you, let me tell but you. why would But <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't have the thighs to fill out the, the stretchy part. So, so they weren't elastic enough to to adhere to my to chicken my legs. Chicken legs, exactly. But why would you have them anyway? Everybody oh, had them. No, Everybody no. had them. The gym only teachers reason, and referees had them. No, the, no regular human. The being only wore reason those. anybody wore anything in high school is because everybody else was wearing it. There's no chance that anyone 
other than gym teachers and hey, referees and you. You want to know something else? We're wearing those. They were fire engine red. <laughs> no, they, they were. Good heavens. All right. This is one where people, please, please send us a tweet at ball and chain pod. If you ever saw anyone wearing the bike to snap shorts or wore them yourselves, if you weren't a referee they, they or a sold coach. They hundreds of thousands of those. To referees and coaches. Oh, please. And gym teachers. And me. <laughs> well, let's actually, we're talking about viewer mail. Let's get into some viewer mail. Somebody from... had a question about viewer mail. Why it's called viewer mail instead of listener mail. Viewer mail is an homage to the old original Letterman show on NBC in the 80s when they would do viewer mail. So that this is our version of viewer mail. We had someone, because we were talking about you know, kids and gear and how ridiculous the industrial complex has gotten for Little League and other youth sports. And they sent us a picture where you can purchase a fathead of your own child. So your child can have a picture of themselves playing a sport on their bedroom wall. This is always offered as an option. When we have the kids take their Little League pictures, and you usually order like the one baseball card or the fridge magnet that goes on the fridge. There are myriad options, including a vinyl fathead of your kid that you can put on your wall. It's just, I mean, it's absolutely absurd. I can't imagine a universe. I mean, what is what is that teaching your kid? Who do you ha- wake up looking at on on your on your wall? Is it, uh, you know, is it a picture of your favorite athlete? Do you have a cross hanging up in your room? No, I've got a picture of myself because uh, that that's what I want to see when I first wake up. I mean, it's absurd. It's going to be awkward then when I tell you that I would like a fat head of myself in the wall. <laughs> in my case, it would be an even fatter head. <laughs> It'll be of you uh, sitting down in front of a, a typewriter while wearing your red bike shirt. It'll be me taking my 2.35 p.m. Right, nap. Exactly. And then we had somebody, because we talked about Costco last week, and you, you wondered what happens if I, if I bust through the gates at Costco and uh, do that shopping. And somebody said, you can crash the gate, but at checkout, you will have to buy a membership in order to check out, except if you're at the pharmacy. Apparently, you can go to the Costco pharmacy if you're not a member of Costco. Or what? You'll be chowderboarded with the 55-gallon drum of <laughs> New England clam chowder? They just won't let you purchase your, your cart full of goodies. Rebecca Lobo, you've said it all. Let's give some love to Denny Gallagher, our producer. Thank you to Denny Gallagher. He insists he will be in studio, in basement next week. I will on our Twitter handle of at Ball and Chain Pod. I will post a picture of both the dog food bag, the farm to table inspired canine cuisine, and post a picture of the alive vitamins in case anyone doesn't believe that what we're and saying we'll is do true. a little experiment next week and i'll try the one and jesse our dog will try the other and we'll <laughs> right. see see if swapping helps i will also post a picture the next time i find you napping in the the early afternoon which uh tends to be your most inspired time of the day dreaming in case yesterday comes to me and hopefully next week that's how we'll start the podcast what came to you in a dream that uh that we need to talk speaking about speaking of hit songs that came to somebody in a dream before Tom, Dick, and Harry play us out with their theme song. I want to wish a sweet gorgonzola to my friend Michael Jackson, Jaffe, not my friend Michael Jackson, my friend Michael Jaffe, and now, you want to say it? Sweet Papalapa? You can say that too, but I was going to say Tom, Dick, and Harry play us out. There's no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in this cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts your sanity to a daily test Androgynous and ambiguous what we give for a little rest Stay by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane Hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.